0: Now, remember Jeremiah Hamilton, one of the first African-American millionaires? We heard about his less-than-scrupulous business dealings in the insurance market in Wall Street earlier in the episode. He was so rich and famous by the time of his death, newspapers across the country published obituaries in his honor. Democrat and Weekly Sentinel, June 26, 1875. Mr. Jeremiah Hamilton, for many years past one of the noted men of New York, died a few days since of pneumonia at the age of 62. He was a colored man, but from the circumstance of having worn a fine, black, long-haired wig, had somewhat the appearance of a Mexican or Spaniard. He had a peculiarly shrill voice, and without the slightest effort, always made himself heard, whether desirous of doing so or not. He was an intelligent, gentlemanly man and is reputed to have left a fortune of $2 million to his two daughters, accomplished women and much respected. But what makes his life truly extraordinary is not necessarily how he amassed his fortune, but when. Historian Shane White explains the racial context in 19th century New York City.
1: Slavery formally ends in New York State on July the 4th, 1827. I actually think there's this incredible cultural convulsion because Mm -hmm. New York really is one of the first places in the world to have to cope with how do you work out race relations once slavery has ended. So they're pioneering, and in New York City, they're pioneering the development of free black culture. But there's this aggressive pushing at the boundaries of now they're no longer slaves, of what freedom meant. So, Mm. and there's this incredible mixture, this bouncing backwards and forwards between black and white that's going on. And, like, talking about Jeremiah Hamilton in this context is sort of interesting because um, he he distanced himself from these other African-Americans, but whether he liked it or not, from from almost all the New Yorkers, he was just another black, and he Mm. actually the way he behaves on wall street is part of this as i suggested cultural convulsion that lasts for about 15 years in in new york city
0: so so give me give, give me an example if you can of, of this kind of personality or what you found to, to give you some sense of him as a character
1: i'm trying to remember the exact date, but in the in the 1830s as he's first establishing himself some business rivals are, are, are arranged to have him arrested at this time he's he's actually living out near Blo- at Bloomingdale up near, near Columbia University actually outside the city uh, then the city in the 1830s and these business arrivals arranged to have him arrested at 11 o'clock at night by the police for a charge a trumped up charge so that he spends the night in prison like uh, it's too late for him to arrange bail and it's vicious and it's a couple of weeks later, those t- same two white guys get arrested at 5 o'clock in the morning, and bail gets so set so high, they can't get out for a week or two. Again, you do it to me, and I'm going to come straight back at... Um,
0: so he arranged that arrest, Jeremiah he, Hamilton. He,
1: well... I can't actually connect it that he spoke to someone, but it very much looks that's the, that's what it looks like. That's what happened, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, looking looking at the at the sources, so he he does that sort of thing uh, continuously. He's very 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 clever. You'd love to meet him, but you'd you'd always keep your hand on your wallet because uh, because. Like he had a very loose idea of what was right and what was wrong. Hmm.
0: Now, he's not the only African-American in New York by a long way. Did he have any standing Hmm. at all in the broader African-American community in the city?
1: He has absolutely, as far as I can tell, he has absolutely nothing to do with any other African-American in the city. So the other... <laughs> <Not one. laughs> yeah, Like, like it's, it's amazing. Like, he's chasing him through the census. His servants are, are white um, in, his, in his house in New York City. Mm. But his friend, Benjamin Day's wife, takes in charitable cases as part of reform type of impulse. So does um, Jeremiah Hamilton and his wife. Their charity cases are white uh, as well. They're not, they're not African-American. Mm. And to me, one of the most amazing images is in the mid-1840s, Jeremiah Hamilton, he, he, several times he tries to leave the city. And in the mid-1840s, he buys an estate in New Jersey It's Mm. 250 acres, it's a mansion, it's got 10 bedrooms and a ballroom, it's got a trout stream, it's got quail and grouse hunting on it. So the idea of a black man standing on his terraces in New Jersey looking down over his trout stream is not the image that comes to mind when you think of African-Americans in the north in 1845. Um, Mm. And what was also typical of him was when he bought that, he bought he bought that estate from someone who actually didn't have the legal right to sell it. So he, tried, he bought it on the cheap and was trying to um, leverage and do things in an underhand fashion. And there's a court case and he ends up losing it and gets turfed out of it, which means he moves back to New York City to East 29th Street where he buys a house where he lives for the rest of his life.
0: And it's the house on 29th Street that is attacked by a mob during the draft riots of 1863,
1: yes? Yes, yes. And as I mentioned before, Jeremiah Hamilton for 40 years is this aggressive. And just to make things even worse, in the late 1830s, he actually gets, he would have been 28 or 29, he gets a 14-year-old white girl pregnant, and again, he he breaks the stereotypes. These sorts of temporary liaisons are quite common, but this was the beginning of a marriage that lasted for 40 years and they had 10 Mm. children between the two of them. So he's, he's married to a white woman. So that means that every time he walks down the street with a white woman, there's the chance of, of violence and what, what was threatened for 40 years finally happens in July 1863 on the second day of the draft rights when a mob turns into 29th, East 29th Street and the mob is chanting 68, 68, 68, which was the number of his house. So it's targeted oh, wow. his house. <laughs> they go to his house. They break in through the cellar door and rush up the stairs and his wife his his white wife is standing at the top of the stairs and she says what do you want and the guy at the front of the mob says your husband and she says what are you going to do with him and they said see that lamppost out the front there we're going to string him up on from from the from the lamppost but again Jeremiah Hamilton was clever he had heard them and he Jump out of the back halfway down the block, <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was off. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't an idiot, right? But that that was that was the threat that he had constantly. He was he was um, to rip off Tom Wolfe in his day job on Wall Street. He was a master of the universe, hmm. but as soon as that job finished and he was on the streets, he he wasn't even a second class citizen, and he's got that threat of violence, and it's. That was what attracted me to try and write a book about him was that this very weird schizophrenic life he must have he must have lived.
0: Now, is there anything that we learn that's new about the 19th century as a whole looking at it through the lens of someone like Jeremiah Hamilton?
1: If you think about the way American race relations has been organized, the point has been particularly to limit and keep down African Americans not allowed to allow them to get ahead, not allow them to get educated, not allow them to, to get ahead in any way, shape or form. And this has led to very, very talented African Americans going off in ways that often end up sometimes can end up being illegal in running gambling, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. in New York um, in city. And, and I think there is a whole lot of things that looked at now I would label as, as black achievement. So right. I think there's a lot. There is a lot more nuance, or a lot more stuff that you can put into African American history to sort of change slightly the contours or the way it's, it's often it's often considered too simplistically to be right. a story right. of black poverty in the city or black blacks being at the bottom of the heap in the city. Most, most were, yeah. but there there are odd stories like uh, Jeremiah Hamilton that um, I think can make our understanding of the past a bit more interesting.
0: Shane White is the author of Prince of Darkness, the untold story of Jeremiah G. Hamilton, Wall Street's first black millionaire.